Hey there, welcome back. Here we are on episode nine. Thank you for sticking with me and coming back to listen. I hope that you're well and managing to wend your way through the pandemic and that life is becoming a little less restricted than it was. In this episode, I talked to Jenny Stallard. Jenny is well known in journalistic circles. She's an ex-in-house journalist who became a successful freelance journalist, writing for publications such as The Metro, Guardian, Telegraph, Red Magazine. She's also a published author who has penned three books and her most successful novel is the novel Boyfriend by Christmas. Jenny's also recently launched a new platform, Freelance Feels. As Jenny explains, this is a channel that offers advice and support to those at any point of their freelance career and is fast becoming a strong and valuable community. Jenny talks to me about her vision for this new platform and also about how she got to where she is now. She also very honestly covers how experiencing a bad time in your career can lead to wonderful new opportunities. And she also throws in how she believes that women give themselves such a bad time, especially about body image. My thanks go to Jenny for being so open and honest during our chat and for finding the time to speak to me. We talk for just short of 40 minutes. But it's 40 minutes that are loaded with tons of tips and advice about how to freelance successfully. I hope you find something of value in what Jenny outlines. But for now, here's the lady herself. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Welcome to episode nine of 45 Not Out. Today, I'm delighted to say my guest is Jenny Stallard. Um, Jenny's well known in the media world. She's a lady of many talents. And I've got it down listed as, get this, journalist, published author, co-founder of the Freelance Media Women Facebook group, podcaster, and more recently, founder of Freelance Feels. So blimey, Jenny, (laughs) when, when do you ever sleep? And hello and welcome. Hello, lovely to join you. Um, that that sounds like someone else. That list. I'm like, oh, who's she? She sounds quite cool. <laughs> She's done a lot with her life. When do I sleep? I sleep a lot, actually. To be honest, I'm terrible in the mornings. We're chatting at what half ten, aren't we? And it's it's uh, yeah. This is about my start time. Normally, <laughs> it's about ten-ish or something. So yeah, I, I do like a good snooze, but um, I'm always thinking. I'm sure right. lots of other people in their 40s will say, you know, your brain just never switches off, does it? It's that kind of, I've just been for a morning swim, actually, unusually, and, and my brain was still ticking over as I was going up and down. And so, yeah, I sleep, but yeah, often, often thinking, even mm. when resting. Do you think that's a, one of the downsides of being a freelancer? Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and being in you quite often, a lot of freelancers work from home and the home environment is their office. And I mean, you're lucky if you've got a door that you can close on it, but a lot of freelancers don't. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So as I said, the most recent one, Freelance Feels, mm. what, what is that exactly, Jenny? What, what and why did you start it? 
So I, I call it a well-being platform because I came across this word platform and I thought, oh, that seems to sum it up. So it's, it was born out of my own experience with being challenged by freelancing and um, sort of Mar a year ago in March, so March 2019, I was in a really negative place with my freelancing. I knew I didn't want to be a member of staff somewhere, but I just didn't know where I was going with it. Work was scarce. I felt I was really down on myself. You know, I would do things like I was, I was calling myself a failure, telling myself I was rubbish, comparing myself to everybody else and saying that I wasn't achieving anything. And I chatted to my sister a lot about it because we chat a lot. And then I sort of said, look, I, I, I want to write about this because this is what I do. My default setting is I write a lot about myself and my emotions. If people Google my name, they'll find sort of quite confessional articles that I've written over the years about my love life and things like that. And um, so I started sort of doing a few what would become blog posts. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll start an Instagram account and see what happens there. And people started engaging with it. Um, and it kind of built from there, really. So then I thought, well, I need a launch date. So I set a launch date of National Freelancers Day, which is middle of June, which is run by Ipsy. Um, so I set that as a date. And I thought, well, then I had to officially launch it, as it were. And that kind of the, the, the Instagram came first. But I always had in mind that it would be a podcast as well, because um, much like you, I love podcasts and I really wanted to get into it. I wanted to jump on that bandwagon. So I had that in mind that it would become a podcast and the podcast launched in the autumn. And then January 2020, I decided to launch a newsletter as well. I love jumping on a bandwagon. <laughs> Newsletters are the new blogs, so I'm told. So well, I started a newsletter. Yeah, so it's all of that, really, which I guess you'd call a, a platform in a way. Is that kind of what we'd say? So, so what's it been then? It's just over, well, in its entirety, just over 12 months. But you yes. brought the different um, channels in oh, yes. as you've gone along. How's it going? Is it fulfilling really well? What yeah it's it's one of my favorite things i've ever done i think out of all those things um it's the thing i'm proudest of probably because it was born out of a time when i wasn't feeling happy and when i look back and think i was musing on this because you asked me sort of you sent, sent me a couple of questions in advance and i thought what am i proud of with this and i thought well this because actually i launched it at a time when i wasn't feeling very happy or confident and i thought wow if i can launch that when i'm not feeling great imagine what I can do when I am looking after my mental health better. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud. And when people say to me, they'll message and say, thank you for posting today. Really like your honesty, or I really enjoyed your post. It, it sort of said something funny about freelancing. I, I feel really glad that I'm putting it out there because people are engaging with it as well. Mm. So it's naturally forming a community as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. Which is really lovely because it makes me feel less alone. I kind of yeah. set out to help, to sort of help myself and then I thought oh I want to help other people and it's just doing both all at the same time mm -hmm. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah no brilliant and and as well such a positive thing has been born from some part of your life where you weren't absolutely 100 percent yeah yeah I was really down I would cry a lot in the afternoons and you know when you sort of get to four-ish and I guess whatever you do for a job whether you'd work or not or whether you're a full-time parent um that kind of it's almost like the early witching hour. They talk about the witching hour with, with kids where it's like between what, six and seven and everyone just goes a bit off the scale. But I, I think with work, there's that, that risky hour between about half three and half four maybe when your mind can really take over the reality of what's happening for you and you can become quite sort of down on yourself. And yeah, I'd often sort of find myself crying. Oh, what am I doing with my life? 
and then that thing would come up with I just turned how old was I so I'm nearly 43 so I just turned 40 so you know I've just turned 40 and and what am I even doing there's all these young people who are being brilliant journalists and I'm just nothing and that's how I talk to myself in the you know I'm just saying my god if I, my friend talked to themselves like that I'd mm. be really worried about <laughs> so how, mm. how just if, if anybody's listening that's experiencing that Jenny what mm. tips would you have for them to sort of get out of that rut I would definitely say if you're sat particularly if you're working from home I guess a lot of people are at the moment by default because it's it's sort of mini lockdown isn't it lockdown measures while we chat but um leave your desk number one just even if you have to close the laptop because it's in the kitchen and you work in the kitchen because you don't have a home office just close it and walk away physically from it um I think if you can get fresh air in the first instance really important as well um but I think um sort of more long term you need to sort of not necessarily schedule in but try and get some exercise in you know get some movement in and then finally talk to people talk to other people I mean I my sister and I lean on each other a lot anyway so she was my go-to for a chat but you know somebody that you can trust either a colleague or a friend who you can say look I'm really struggling today and that's all you need to say is I'm really I'm really struggling today and then they'll say oh mate of course they'll want to help you Mm. so that's your intro don't don't have to tell them 20 minutes worth of your feelings if you don't want to but just um i'm struggling do you fancy a cuppa and just chat chat to somebody mm. if you can if, if that's available to you mm. and i presume as well as, as time goes along with um, freelance fields would that be sort of one of your visions that it would form a community to the extent that there will be friendships that are made and, and sort mm. of um, circles that are made whereby these freelancers like myself working from home, if they mm. sort of need a, not so much, um, what's the word, not accountancy partner, you know, sort of somebody, the accountability partner, it's, mm. it's like the, the, the other side of it, you know, sort of, I don't know, a bad day partner or something like that, you know, just somebody you can <laughs> yeah. pick, pick up. Well, yeah, I mean. No, yeah. you're right pick up the phone and just because the thing is as well I don't know if, if you've not freelanced if you've always sort of been in a traditional job it's hard to understand sort of the um mindset you get into in freelance freelancing I mean and sort of my husband's um corporate and ex-police officer mm. and everything and he, the pair of us really don't each understand each other's works you know hierarchy and all the rest of it so I, th- I think one of the beauties of, of, of what you're doing Jenny would be if it hasn't happened already there will be sort of circles friendships found and these will be the ones that will, as you say like the relationship you have with your sister these will be the ones whereby people can sort of know that they can pick up a phone if they're having a bad day and immediately the person who's at the phone will understand and hopefully spare them some time and just sort of talk them through it really yeah so, very much yeah, so. yeah this platform it, it's so multifaceted isn't it did you envisage that when you started it not really no I kind of just wanted to get something out there I, as I say sort of I knew I wanted to do a podcast so I knew that would be part of it but no no I didn't actually maybe that's the beauty of it is actually if you start something without too much of a plan it can kind of hmm. grow itself I guess it's like planting seeds and just saying well okay let's see what germinates rather than saying, well, I'm going to plant these seeds and I desperately must have X amount of plants by three months time. And I must have, you know, a certain height of plant. You're just saying, okay, let's just see what, what grows. And actually, if you just feed it and water it, 
you just see what you get kind of thing if that's not too weird an analogy but um yeah it's quite exciting as well because there's actually you mentioned people kind of connecting through it and I've I've been mentioning all summer and I haven't actually got round to it yet but it is on my list is to do workshops and I really want people to be able to just gather for an hour together and the idea would be that you'd get a worksheet and everyone kind of it would be like if you had a workshop in person and everyone was filling out a worksheet about their mental health as a freelancer about their challenges that week um, and then everyone would be able to sort of throw through in some questions and some comments and hopefully feel a sense of being less alone by joining in with a workshop mm. so that's sort of a plan for the when we're all back to school hopefully I'll, I'll get some workshops going and um, that that would be the next step I think to bring people together with voices rather than just writing online yeah no sounds great sounds mm. great and then talking of writing you're mm. as I say published author how many books have you had published Jenny I've had one print book and two ebooks, and they're all quite sort of I guess some people don't like the, the name Chicklet, but I always wanted to write Chicklet. So I was very proud that I, I wrote a kind of, you know, a bit of a romantic comedy. But yeah, my main one is Boyfriend by Christmas, which was published in 2015 um, by Penguin, no less. Mm, and it was based, yeah, I was rather chuffed when Penguin said they'd publish my book. Uh, yeah, it was based on a column that I wrote for a Metro newspaper where I used to write a lot about dating and being single. And I did a column called Boyfriend by Christmas where I was going on loads of dating events. It started in the October and the idea was, would I meet someone? And of course, when you write about your love life, blokes don't want to go anywhere near you because they all think you just want to date them to go in the newspaper. So it was a complete fail in terms of meeting somebody. But I always say I didn't get a boyfriend, but I did get a book. Yeah. And how easy was it to get the deal? Did they approach you or...? I think I had, from what I hear from people who are now approaching agents and things, I think I had quite a dream scenario. And I, I don't know if this happens for other people. I think it must do. But an agent got in touch on Twitter, having read the column. And then he said, would you like me to put out the idea of this being a book? And I said, yes, I'd love that. And then he got in touch with me the December, must have been 2014. And he said, oh, I bumped into a friend at a party and they'd like to see a synopsis from you. So then the next thing you know, I'm in Penguin's offices having a meeting with them, having to do the elevator pitch. And I was like, I just want to write Bridget Jones for the next generation. That was my sort of pitch. <laughs> and they said, yeah, go on then. And that was that. And I think anyone who's probably approaching agents right now is probably thinking lots of swear words. Damn you, Jenny, you know. But I didn't, I don't know how easy or not, but I don't know how often that does happen. Um, by contrast, for example, I'm writing a book about freelancing, a non-fiction book, and I'd like to get that out to some agents. And I'm finding that a much longer process, mm. um, approaching agents and saying, would you like to represent me? I'm not finding the same experiences happening twice. So I think it was a bit of a golden goose one off. But yeah, that's how it happened for me. But um, yeah, next step would be to write a non-fiction book about, about freelancing. Brilliant. And, and presumably as well as freelance fields goes along, you sort of like you'll have all the raw data, the maybe some case studies and yeah, yeah, yeah fabulous. It's, it's just like a natural progression really, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of self-seeding to use yes. the gardening analogy. I'm not a huge gardener, but I find that gardening is a great analogy for freelancing. It came up somewhere else at a talk I was doing and I sort of said, well, you've got to keep your eye on it all the time. You can't just abandon it in winter. You've, you've got to plant things that you know are going to grow in spring so it does if anyone is a gardener and a freelancer they'll probably go oh yeah it really does that makes sense actually but depends if you're a gardener or not I suppose no 
No, absolutely. And then first in, straight in, am I right in thinking journalism, in-house journalism was your first entry into the world of work? Yes. So I actually worked on local newspapers. I did um, some of it's called NCTJ, so training to work on local papers. And I worked on the Surrey Advertiser in Guildford um, for about three years. And then I went to work at an agency in Hungerford called Wessex News and Features. Um, and then I was making my, in my mind, I was making my way to magazines. And then I started writing for the real life magazines, which is sort of, you know, like chat. And mm. uh, I worked on a magazine called That's Life for a couple of years. Um, it, it's strange working on a real life magazine. You talk to a lot of different people. It's quite intense. A lot of it, you might speak in one day to someone, some very serious things. You know, you might speak to someone whose child is in hospital, someone who's suffered abuse, someone who's recovered from cancer, someone who's won the lottery. But you can speak to all those people in the space of 24 or 48 hours. It's, it's very intense in that way. But my goal was always to write what they call lifestyle journalism. So more of the stuff that I do now so talking about you know things that are current trends and things that we all talk about the kind of things women might go down if we went out for dinner we'd be talking about I then turn those topics into features I guess is lifestyle journalism isn't it yeah 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 and there's still a demand for that then you find it do you get time to do that with everything else you're still pitching editors and doing everything else that goes on with that yeah a bit less lately because it's it's quite time consuming and I'm actually finding that copywriting which is another thing that I, I started doing is actually sort of paying the bills better basically mm. um be honest there and yeah unfortunately writing for, for newspapers and magazines wasn't paying the bills as much as it needed to anymore so I started doing some copywriting and I'm actually really enjoying that because it's kind of so different to, mm. to what I was doing before um but yeah I pitch things out and see what everyone wants and get approached sometimes to write things which is nice it's nice when people approach you isn't it you feel oh valid god then. yeah yeah but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the thing is as well it's like um i think if, if you do anything long enough and obviously you become that m- bit more expert in it and, and all the rest of it and you become a bit of certainly a thought leader in, in, mm. in your field and the, i don't there's a book i don't know if you've come across it, it it's an out and out business book key person of influence and it's mm. i can never remember the chap's name but anyway what he says is basically is uh, the, the, well there's a lot of messages in the book and um, but one of the messages is it's like it, whatever your chosen field is don't sort of widen it too much and don't digress if you really hold them down in that and sort of push your heart and soul into it as you've done promote it publish speak and all the rest of it and yet then you become that key person of influence the one that Mm. is there that everybody sees and naturally attracts all the opportunities and the business and everything so yeah I would say Jenny probably in your field then you're you're their key person of influence if, if you're not well on your way yeah that's really what I'm working towards as a goal actually it's funny this came up um, in a in a webinar that I was on recently and it was um yeah exactly like talking about a niche because it was some student journalists and one of them said but how do you how do you find your niche and we were sort of talking about how yes if you whittle it down to what you really want to be known for and then you only sort of speak about that and you write about that on LinkedIn and you post about that on your Instagram and that kind of thing yes you're exactly right you become the person who is the go-to for and that can be anything from interior design through to freelancing like I'm trying to do and or you know fashion or 
beekeeping you know if you mm. write enough about beekeeping and you do a blog about it then i'm as a journalist i'll think oh i need to speak to so and so they're the one that does all the stuff about beekeeping and i'm writing about beekeeping don't know where beekeeping came from <laughs> everyone's getting a taste of my strange mind now it's like oh, let's use beekeeping as a little uh, example there but yeah you, i completely agree with you and it's yeah that's that's how it can then become a, uh, a success is yeah you're the person the go-to in, mm. that, in that thing like you're a go-to for people to talk about being in their 40s mm. well aiming for that anyway Jenny yeah. probably, probably not as established <laughs> yeah I'm probably not as established as you are but um, as you say it's, it's sort of one of the ambitions yeah so, t talking of the premise of the podcast I mean obviously mm. I would imagine you've well you've had quite a varied career and and things and probably worked with low dozens if not tens of you know sort of hundreds of people yeah. along the way Jenny I mean I don't really know the media world too much but were there any times where you felt that maybe over 30 over 35 and you probably weren't treated as well as you should have been and maybe hitting 40 you know you're not at 45 yet but you know sort of did you notice a difference in how you were treated this is it's so interesting. It's, it's funny because I think, first of all, I had to get over treating myself like that, which is something that came up. I did some in-house work at BBC Three, which is kind of like the youth <laughs> arm of the BBC. And BBC Three has had a bit of a real renaissance because of things like Killing Eve and, and all the programmes and normal people. But BBC Three, when I was working there a couple of years ago, was just it was all web content. So it was it was all done. There wasn't on the TV sort of thing. They'd taken the channel away. But I was working with a team of very young people, sort of, you know, they're all sort of mid-20s to early 30s. So to me, like they sort of refer to, well, when I graduated, and I'd think, oh, God, well, I graduated in 1999, which was probably like a couple of years after some of them were born. <laughs> and I think it's funny because, yeah, the biggest thing was, was me getting over judging myself because I felt like, well, what will they want to hear from me? What should I speak up in a meeting? Because I'm a bit old to be here. And actually... I realized that my knowledge that came with age was quite interesting to them in many ways. So there's, there's that flip, but I guess it's probably more as a freelancer when I see shout outs and I feel this as well. And I think it's something we're going to talk about, about mums. So there's all, often shout outs saying, Oh, a magazine would like a writer to write about you know, how it feels not to get the A-level grades you wanted. So we're looking for someone who's in their late 20s or early 30s. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't get the A-level grades I wanted. Does it not matter now I'm 42? Mm. So it's, it's more that in the freelance world, I think, where, yeah, it's that case of they're looking for a certain demographic. Um, and I don't often see, we're looking for a woman in her 40s to talk about her life, because then it's we're looking for a woman in her 40s to talk about her children going back to school or her children not getting. So then you, if you're in your 40s, it tends to be that you write as the mum of say a 16 or 18 year old or not even that maybe a 10 year old and I'm like well I'm not in that category either so it's sort of like oh but I think in terms of sort of in staff jobs treated unfairly might be taking it a step too far for my experience but definitely kind of um let me think so you might have to chop this little bit out but more not feeling like I was fitting in with the chat and and I guess people relate to that thing where I worked in an office last year where everyone communicated using Microsoft Teams even though they were sat next to each other 
and they all thought I was crazy because I would ring experts for quotes for my features and they were like why are you ringing them I was like well what else do you do and they're like just email them and I was like no you have to ring them because then you have a conversation and you can lead that and get the answers that you might or might not need and that that, that kind of you know almost mm. sort of a funny look of oh what's she doing the phone what's that thing she's got in her hand I'm like it's a telephone so more le less vocal probably a bit more like a sideways glance of Who's the old one on the phone? <laughs> but that might be my perception. Perhaps they thought I was radical. I don't know. <laughs> well, it just I, I, it's a generational thing, isn't it? Um, mm. It's I, th I think am I right in saying that you're not a millennial? Like it's ooh, I can't remember the demographic, but it's certainly. Mm, I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. 42. So, yeah. Nearly forty-three. Yes. So it's like um, certainly when I started my career, which was a long. Way, way before yours the, 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 all there was was a telephone the, the internet was mm. in it, was in its infancy so yes so in a way they've not known any different and nobody as nobody does any selling by phone anymore you know well some some industries do and it's done in the states more than here but you know sort of it, it's just automatically all electronic isn't it and, and online so in a way yeah. i suppose we can cut them a little bit of slack because they've not been shown any other way but what one thing you mentioned Jenny and I'd like to sort of take you down that track if I may you sort of mm. you mentioned about the motherhood and you've been quite vocal about being a non not being a mother by choice and mm. and I think you, you've said with being vocal I think you've said you, you've sort of found quite a community of women who have the same mindset as yourself it, how, how large is that community and as well do things in society need to change to accommodate that community of women? Are, are we too children focused? It feels like we are to me, but perhaps that is because I'm not a mum, I suppose. I don't have any of that experience of, yes, I don't know. I'll never know what it's like to watch my child queue up for their A-level grades and, and have to go through what they've all been through. I mean, my heart was bleeding, bleeding. That's wrong. My heart bleeds is, is negative, isn't it? My heart was aching for them. I couldn't, these poor young people whose just lives were, you know, dangling under a big sword, you know. Um, yeah, so I guess because I haven't, perhaps some people would say, well, you just, well, never know, Jenny. You don't know what you've missed out on. But I guess I found by writing, I wrote about um, a piece off the back of Jennifer Aniston saying that women who don't have children aren't damaged goods, because someone had said about that phrase, damaged goods, you know. And I thought, that's just really offensive, you know, and being a non-mum as well. I mean, I'm a non-mum by choice, but lots of people aren't mums, not through choice. Mm -hmm. And I think to, it's funny, I've just moved house and several people have asked me already, and I know it's a natural question, but you know, oh, do you have children? Are you having a family? And they just ask you straight away, you know, are you going to have kids? Do you have kids? For all they know, I've moved house to a new area because I want to get away from a negative experience with trying to have children. But it's just the f one of the first things is, have you got kids? And it's like, oh, ask me something else, you know, mm -hmm. where have you moved from or something? But people are often straight in. And I just think, why is it that everyone wants to know whether you're a mum or not off mm -hmm. the bat? It's like, I'm a million, mums are a million other things before they're a mum as well. Mm -hmm. But one of the first things I'm getting asked is not every time, but a few times. So that's quite interesting. But yeah, after writing my article, I found people said to me, you know, thank you for writing that. I feel the same. And I know there's a book coming out might just be out actually called Olive, which is a fiction book by Emma Gannon, who 
who's a big podcaster and writer and speaker. She's a thought leader, I believe. And then, yeah, and it's all about a woman who's not, not a mum by choice. And it's a very unusual lead character, you know. It is in rom-coms as well, you know. Most women want the man and the baby in the house. And it's almost, and I always do say I'm a non-mum by choice because I think it's important that people hear me say that I've chosen not to. Um, but yeah, I know in work, it's funny because I think, well, there'd be a million other things I could write about if I was a parent. I could pitch loads of articles about my life as a working mum. All of that isn't open to me because I've chosen. <laughs> I am getting a dog though, so maybe I can write about being a puppy mummy. <laughs> yeah, I hope that answers your question. It's funny, isn't it? It's sort of, I, I don't decry anyone who does write about being a mum and I can't imagine doing all the things I do I don't think I would get them done if I had children I think that's no. how I managed to get when you sort of said oh when do you sleep I thought well I can because I don't then have to put the kids to bed I don't have to do deal the school run before I fit in whether I'm doing a podcast interview or whether I'm pitching some features so yeah I'm, I've given myself that luxury I suppose by choice of having more time to build a business and I do recognize that you know I doff my cap to everyone who's freelance and a mum because I genuinely do not know how people do it. I, I think you're all super women, mm. frankly. <laughs> and yeah. added to which, during the pandemic, they've become home teachers as well. Yeah. So that's just added to the stress. Exactly. I can't imagine. I really do. Gold stars for everybody, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, right. So what I always do, Jenny, with my guests, Ooh. so cheesy, but I... It's, I like hearing the responses to this, so it's a bit indulgent. So if you could go back to the start of your career, say when you started on the local papers, um, if you look back, what advice would you give your younger self? I love this question. I love that you love this question as well, because it's such a great one and it's your podcast, so you should be allowed to ask any <laughs> questions you want. That's the point, isn't it, of running your own medium? It's, um, it's very oh. cheesy, but I do. I, I I, I love things like this. I look. I, I'm. I mean, you wouldn't. If, good podcasters are naturally nosy, aren't they? And and sort of oh, yeah. lo, lo, love hearing the stories. So, yeah, I, I always think these are quite inspirational. Anyway, I'll let you get on with it. What would I say to my younger self? It's probably similar things to what I'd say to myself right now. And the first one is just be patient. I'm. I'm always trying to get to the the thing that's five steps ahead, like. Like I keep imagining what it'll be like when freelance feels the book is out there. I'm like, okay, well, Jenny, if you just deal with today's stuff, which is like actually just tidying your desk a bit more and maybe, you know, finding that extra plug that you need because you've just moved house. But no, no, off I'm going, you know, I want to be a nonfiction author. So I'd probably say to myself, myself back then was I was writing news articles, going to court, doing, you know, inquest reporting and that kind of thing, ringing up local councillors and asking their opinion on planning applications. But in my little heart, I was just desperate to write features and be, you know, the girl that writes for Cosmo and all those mags. And I just say to myself, just chill out. Enjoy this time because it will come. If you keep working, it will come. But don't not enjoy this point because you're rushing to get to that point. And yeah, I guess that is definitely something that, that I could probably tell myself now as well. <laughs> um, I would tell myself as well to say no more so I was always very much I remember when I left the newspaper 
I was I was desperate to leave by the end um, because I really wanted to get on with doing features. So I just applied for a few jobs and I said to myself, whichever job I get, I'll take. And I got down to the shortlist for two and then I got offered the one that I took and off I went. And I didn't stop to think about whether the job was right for me, whether it's what I really wanted to do. It was just what I got offered next. And it seemed exciting. It, it, did, it was a good step at the time. But yeah, I guess I'd sort of say to myself, hold on, you don't just have to take the first thing you're offered and again that's something that now I guess works as well like you know just because you get approached by an editor to write a piece is it the right piece for me does it fit with my values see I tell myself to sort of you know hold on a minute you don't have to, to take that job you don't have to write that article just because your boss is telling you you know there's, there's a conversation to be had I kind of I'd probably tell myself about the positive power of no as well um and something that I'm sure everybody will probably relate to is I tell myself, you're not as fat as you think. <laughs> so just put on the clothes and go and have a good time. But that's probably not a career thing so much as a, a woman thing, is it? But you know, yeah, it, it you was. It, mm. if, it, if I could just sort of hijack a little bit. One, one yeah. of the big things that sticks in my mind is, oh, easily probably five years ago, you know, Dove, the um, soap mm. and, and the toiletries range they did um an advert and it was purely on youtube it was far too long for tv but what it was was they had they got a selection of women various ages each woman drew themselves as best they could mm. and then what they did was then they these women met and they had an artist who couldn't see the woman but these other women in the group described one other woman and the artist drew a pic he was a very talented artist wow. and he drew a picture of the woman's face based on what the other woman who hadn't met the woman in questions before and drew mm. her, drew her so you had two comparisons you had the one of the woman herself and the one drawn by an artist being described by the other woman and do you know the results it was about five cases and in every case the self-portrait was twice yeah. as fat <laughs> as 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 the one you know drawn oh, by the artist just purely described by the woman you know so it just shows you that inbuilt sort of self image that we have of, of ourselves is we naturally mm -hmm. think we're a lot bigger than what we are but it was quite a moving experience that it 100%. was yeah I don't know where it, it I don't remember it doing much but I just tripped Ooh. across it but it, it was you know very mind opening you know for just the results so i'm yeah. going to look that up that sounds brilliant yeah i think we all you know anyone who relates to that and they might think oh they might have berated themselves when they were younger for being you know looking a different way or something it's just like actually you know people are judging you far more positively than yeah. you think someone i interviewed for the podcast a while back andy cope he said the thing you've got to try and do is get everyone to be talking about you behind your back but saying good things so you want people, but it's like people will be, you know, I'm sure there's loads of people sort of saying wonderful things about people. So friend A is chatting to friend B about friend C and saying, oh God, isn't she doing well? Or did you see that thing she did? Oh, well, I've heard she got a promotion or, or even if something's not going well, they're worrying about friend C. They won't be sitting there going, oh, friend C's a silly old cow, isn't she? She's just facing redundancy. They're, everyone's talking kindly, I think, more than we realise. And mm. you're doing mm. better than you think is probably a good motto isn't it yes yes what would you just briefly what would you do to try and change that round 
with your experience the freelance fields are there any sort of techniques or anything that you could give to people if they are naturally falling into that mindset mm. I think for me it comes down to being a bit kinder to yourself in general um, in terms of and this is something that's come from a book that I've read recently called The Last Diet by a lovely lady called Shiru Izadi. She's a behavioral change specialist and she's just the loveliest human being. And the book is all about her journey with, with fad dieting and kind of yo-yo dieting and then coming to terms with the idea that if you are nicer to yourself and your body, you're generally going to be happier with your body. So, you know, you put nicer things in, you treat, you treat yourself to, to a lovely fruit salad you're respecting your body, you're being kind to it. And it's kind of, you'll then want to eat that more. So in a dieting sense, I guess, or if, not even a diet sense, just a food and drink sense. Yeah. Drink more water. If you don't like plain water, I've got a soda stream that I'm obsessed with. So I have soda stream with a squeeze of lime, you know, hydrate more. Um, yeah. Eat, eat things that you really love. That might be that you really want to eat ham sandwiches every day. Well, reward yourself with the thing you really enjoy if that's the thing mm. if you really like omelettes have them all the time because <laughs> um, yeah it's those subliminal messages isn't it you mm. sort of you know oh all i can have today is a lettuce leaf well actually mm. no i i'll i'll have a ham sandwich and really enjoy it and as you say that changing yeah. of the mind in, inherent mindset isn't it yeah and we talked about swimming just before we started recording i've, I've been for a swim this morning and you're going for a swim later and i'll sort of Swimming is my real happy place. And I think the thing with exercise is it's easy to say, get some exercise. But what does that mean to everybody? For one person, it might be yoga. For one person, it might be swimming. For another person, it might be like the most intense hit training session where you can't see because you've got such, so much sweat in your eyes. You know? So exercise is so many. It might be walking the dog. So I would say almost work out what exercise means for you. And that might be quite a trial and error process. It might be that you've realized you don't want to go back to the gym post lockdown that you do prefer walking or that actually you've, you've discovered that yoga is the thing for you. And it wasn't before lockdown, I guess. Yeah. Rather than just saying, do some exercise, it's do the exercise that gives you joy. And there's yeah. a real difference between don't do exercise. If that type of exercise, I used to run a lot and I don't actually like running that much. <laughs> so I stopped running and it's like, I had to give myself permission. It doesn't give me joy. It gives me aching. Mm. So I stopped and I've had to really make peace with the fact that in inverted commas, I've given up running rather than just stopped something that didn't bring me joy, you mm. know? So yeah, do the exercise that brings you joy, I think is a really mm. important thing. And like you say, maybe a spell of trial and error, do, mm. do, do something for a month or two. And if, if you're not feeling any yeah. more pleasure in it, well, go on to the next thing. Yeah. If you're going for walks and you're thinking I'm really, you know, you're getting even more stressed out because you're not enjoying walking don't go walking then you know mm. yeah try a swim or try I don't know get an old bike off marketplace and see if you like cycling yeah. wear a helmet <laughs> great tips great tips well then Jenny thank you so much for giving up the time in your busy oh, schedule sure. wishing you all the best with freelance feels I mean I'm I've signed up a member it is isn't it it's like a subscription well not yet no but actually it probably should be that should be my my business plan no you don't you, you can subscribe to the podcast but that's obviously and the newsletter mm. oh, it's, it's all yeah do as I say not as I do everybody because it's all free at the moment <laughs>
but it's, it's like what I will do Jenny as well with the notes with the, the show notes I'll put a link to where people can find it and and then um, for the freelancers or freelancers not freelancers if anybody mm. sort of wants you know any would-be freelancers if they want to sort of hear about freelance freelancing from the coal face well yeah yeah worth a sign up so I'll, I'll include that those in the notes thank you welcome so anyway just to reiterate thank you jenny for taking up time it's been a pleasure speaking to you and good luck with everything thank you so much you know it's been brilliant thank you so much take care thank you so there you have it jenny by jenny And I hope you found something in what Jenny talked about actually resonated with you. With regards to Jenny's new platform, Freelance Feels, I've included a link to the channel on the episodes note for the podcast. And I hope you find that useful. In the next episode, I'm talking all things empty nest as we hurtle towards September and the start of terms. I'm talking to psychologist and relationship expert, Dr. Sarah Calvert, of her own practice in central London. Sarah is highly experienced in dealing with the trauma some parents feel when children leave home. And Sarah will be offering advice and tips on how to cope and also how to view this time as the gateway to the next wonderful stage in life. The episode will air in mid-September and I hope you'll join me. But for now, my thanks go to Jenny and to yourselves for listening as always. Stay well and safe until next time. Take care.